This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips. Masters of Dispute Resolution is designed to provide those involved in the mediation process with the views of the most experienced and accomplished mediators and others experienced in the process. Through our discussions, you will gain insight into how to address and overcome difficult issues and achieve more satisfying results in mediation. Your host is Len Levy, mediator and arbitrator with ADR Services, Inc., a leading alternative dispute resolution provider. Lynn litigated complex cases for more than 30 years and has been a mediator since 1998 and is a member of the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. He has been recognized as a super lawyer in alternative dispute resolution each year since 2014. And now your host, Lynn Levy. Well, thank you, Daryl. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Masters of Dispute Resolution, a mini-seminar which will add tools to your mediation toolbox. We're brought to you by Lawyers Pacific Insurance Brokerage, Inc., the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals, and ADR Services, Inc. Uh, This season, our third, uh, we're changing the format just a bit. We will still be providing insights into the mediation process, but we will be doing so through the power of storytelling. In each episode, you will hear a story about a conflict, the impact that conflict had on the lives of the parties involved, how resolution was reached, and lessons to be taken from that conflict and its resolution. Now, many of the details of the story you are about to hear have been modified to preserve the confidentiality essential to mediation while also conveying the essence of the conflict and its resolution. Joining me today is my good friend, and I'm very happy to be able to say that, my good friend, Mark Bayer. Uh, Mark is an attorney who works as a mediator, conflict resolution consultant, coach, trainer, and educator on implicit bias and emotional intelligence. He's been a lawyer for over 30 years, His area of concentration is mediation, particularly within the context of family law, family businesses, and disputes involving interpersonal relations. Mark goes above and beyond his duties as a skilled lawyer and mediator. In addition to his exemplary work in in his professional capacity, Mark is highly involved in the legal and mediation communities. He's blogged for the Huffington Post and is a thought leader in the areas of family law, mediation, collaborative divorce, and conflict resolution. His approach to conflict has been from a recognition that emotion impacts our decision-making and that the litigation process itself tends to incite rather than calm harmful emotions. He's a prolific writer of articles and and contributions to several books. His writings on bias, conflict resolution, and emotional intelligence have been published in several popular publications. He's widely recognized for his authoritative writings on bias in several uh, publications. And his article on the amplification of bias in family law and its impact was published in the bias edition of the Journal of the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers in 2020. And 
I might add, is also assigned reading uh, in the negotiations class that I teach at Loyola Law School. Um, that article actually has been cited in several law review articles as the first cited authority on judicial bias and parenting choices in a dissenting opinion by the Supreme Court of Kansas in March of 2021, among other places. Uh, Mark, I could go on with article after article, but let's talk about what we're here for. Um, Mark, uh, welcome. And um, today, Mark is going to relate a story about conflict in a business dispute, which affected a marriage, the keys to the resolution of those actual, actually two conflicts, and useful lessons we can take away. Welcome, Mark. Thank you for having me and for that very nice introduction. Right, well, Mark, let's let's dive into this story. Um, how did you first learn about this and in what capacity were you um, were you initially engaged? Um, I learned about the initial con uh, initial conflict and dispute that we're going to talk about when um, the co-owner and uh, uh, wife of this couple that has this business together contacted me. Uh, because they had, they were all, everybody in this business dispute from this long-term business and personal relationship had gone south and they were, they had had several meetings uh, among the different members uh, themselves and they were all about to lawyer up. And she reached out to me and said, I know that you've been doing a lot of work on mediation I know that it's focused on family law. This is a business-related dispute. Do you think that you might be able to give me some tips that can help so that possibly we could get this resolved without lining up lawyers at the next meeting? Mark, yeah. can, can you just get into what the this was in, 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 in that type, that actual dispute? Yeah, uh, the business that these clients were involved with for that uh, was basically, I would define it as event planning and organization. And the, the other side was the venue. And they had had a contract to have this event at this venue for quite a long time, decades. Um, and they had a, and in the contract, it had an option for that to continue. And the venue decided, among other things, that they were going to uh, allow someone else to use the venue during that time slot and basically not allow my clients to exercise that option by making it unavailable um that that was and then there were issues relating to that um so that that was the conflict and dispute 
Okay, so so uh, you learned uh, about the nature of that conflict, and then y- you were acting uh, as not as the mediator in that particular one, but but more as the uh, a consultant in in that respect, right? Right. I was brought in as what I'd call a conflict resolution consultant, and it's something that she thought might be valuable and it's something that I want to point out that people rarely consider so I have to really give kudos to her for reaching out to me and you'll hear why when you hear what happened but you can't get people into mediation unless everybody opts into mediation because that's not the default process adversarial is so unless everybody agrees on on going to mediation and who the mediator is, you're not going there and you're staying in there only as long as everybody's in agreement. But people can bring in a conflict resolution consultant to get some of those skills to change the dynamics. And that's what she realized when she reached out to me. Okay, so how did the how did the discussion, which you didn't attend, but what was relayed to you, how, how did the discussion between the parties go? The dis- well, basically, there was a lot of um, conflict there because uh, of relational issues pertaining to her husband and co-owner who used to be the person who dealt with them. And he was no longer the one who was dealing with them because of those conflicts. And... Um, and what happened was that she she was then the contact person, but even though she was the contact person, they still didn't like that he was a co-owner of the business and therefore they didn't want to deal with them any longer than they needed to, which is why they didn't want to exercise the option. And I suggested that she go into the meeting and address the elephant in the room, among other things, which was the the, the, the issues with the husband. All right, so we are going to learn when we return uh, what the issues of the with the husband actually boil down to, and um, you're listening to Masters of Dispute Resolution. Our guest is Mark Bayer, and we will be back in a few minutes. Masters of Dispute Resolution would like to thank ADR Services Incorporated, your partner in resolution, and its founder Lucy Barron for supporting this podcast. ADR Services is one of the leading providers of alternative dispute resolution in California. Leveraging technology to drive resolution, ADR Services is committed to dynamism in the face of growing client need and an ever-evolving legal climate. Now operating offices in all major legal markets of California, ADR Services provides unparalleled in-person and remote resolution services through its exclusive panel comprised of more than 130 of the most distinguished and talented neutrals across the state, capable of handling challenging and complex mediations, arbitration, and other procedures in every field of law. When you seek the services of a neutral and you want results and satisfied clients, contact ADR Services, www.adrservices.com. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy, and my guest is Mark Bayer. And uh, when we when we broke, we were just uh, talking about getting to the essence of what the dispute was 
in, and why why the husband was involved with it. All right. The the um the big issue had to do with um a common bias that we have societally, but different people have it to different degrees, which is an adversarial bias, which is basically win lose. It's uh, and and the husband's approach in dealing with any conflicts and disputes that came up during that long relationship was adversarial and very adversarial, like bomb throwing and without, yeah. without you know, figuratively. And um, and they didn't they didn't like it. It's not it's not relational. It's important for people to understand that um, adversarial is contrary to relational. It, 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 if you need to win arguments in a marriage, you're going to lose your marriage, for example. So it's anti-relational. It's uh, also it's also anti-relational in business, and and in this case was leaking over. Yeah, and so um, I basically, among other things, discussed with her to address this elephant in the room and address how they must have felt being on the receiving end of that regularly and the fact that um even though she's the contact person or was the fact that he was still involved as a co-owner of the business and things of that nature because if they don't get through to that then they're not going anywhere so she addressed that along with other human issues that i raised and they were able to get this deal hashed out. Um, they couldn't continue the contract because the option had already been filled, but they were able to resolve how they were going to end that relationship and a relationship that was both personal and business for a very long time, um, in which I was told that the personal relationship was completely dead when this finished it became a stronger personal relationship than they had ever had and um they've since engaged in other business deals and reached out to each other for no reason during covid just to see how everybody was doing so it was just amazing yeah and and what you're what you're describing is what so often a, a occurs in mediation which is the, the what we refer to as the below the line issues uh, it, it it had nothing to do with the contract itself but it was it was relational it was not there were not it, it was a business dispute being driven by uh, a, a a personal um a personal flaw, as it were, in in uh, the approach that the husband was taking. So, um, may I add something? Absolutely. Um, I want to add that um, my client sincerely believed that this that the relationship was completely dead. Something that lawyers are told all the time, and. Um, I wasn't giving her the information and and approach because I thought that they could fix the relationship. That was not why. Um, it so happened it did. Um, but the important thing to recognize is that when our clients say that the relationship is dead, 
and they don't care anymore. We can't, it's a mistake to just accept that as um, God's word because the relationship might not be dead. And even when they say that they don't care that it's dead and they don't want to have it continue, well, that's not totally accurate uh, often either because that wasn't true here. And these people on the other side were so, it was so noticeable, her difference in approach, that they commented on it and she mentioned me and they reached out to me, they, the other side, for uh, possible uh, future work. So it was amazing. Now, now this... <clears throat> This uh, manifestation of approach by by the by the husband was something that you mentioned earlier. Uh, this was how he approached every adversarial type of situation uh, as a competitive win lose type of uh, uh, approach. How did you next become involved with with this couple? Well, let me just clarify one more thing, if, if you don't mind. Um, it's not how he approached every adversarial thing. Mm -hmm. It's how he approached every conflict and dispute. So not every conflict and dispute needs to be adversarial, even though you have a conflict and dispute. Um, I, I next got um, contacted because um, they were having marital issues. And uh, they had gone to marriage counseling before. And um, they had both been divorced before from other people, um, some more than others. And um, they, the wife suggested that they consider bringing me in, not for divorce mediation, but for marital mediation as one last-ditch effort uh, to see if possibly they can help improve their marriage. And so that was, and so then I got involved mediating for them in marital mediation and and uh, just explain very briefly the difference between divorce mediation and marital mediation well i want to be careful because i've taken programs uh uh on marital mediation and they were brokering deals about post-nuptial agreement terms uh, that wasn't what i was doing i was doing relational work which you don't think of somebody as a lawyer who turned mediator to do relational work but my work with them was entirely relational and and i want to make another point which was i initially met this couple many years ago because the husband hired me as his attorney to do the premarital agreement so i couldn't have even been involved in terms financial because i had been his lawyer against her and look at who was reaching out to me for these various things. Right. Thank you for clarifying that. So, so the the wife contacted you uh, to discuss marital uh, marital mediation. Um, what was what seemed to be the problem there? Was it the same problem as in the business? Well, I mean, there there were you know, there's when people are having marital problems, there's it's not one-sided except in very rare circumstances so they were both were bringing issues to the table however this uh, adversarial bias was certainly a major factor causing yeah. marital problems and 
because they have this business together, it was causing, you can't separate that out. And it was playing out in the business as well. And then that was impacting the marriage on top of it. Wow. So, so you have layer upon layer of <clears throat> effect by, uh, because of this adversarial bias. So how did you, um, how did you approach this? We'll, we'll get to first how you initially perceived this, and then we're going to, uh, uh, in, in a couple of minutes, take a break. But let's, uh, how, how did you initially perceive this and how did you formulate an approach? We would have meetings. They wanted to have meetings. I think they were like three hours long. It went sometimes once, sometimes twice a week for quite a number of months we would sit down and we would go through various issues and they had a business together too so one of the things that i was talking about was we need to separate out roles versus rules roles are you know what is the role of the husband as the as the husband in the marriage or the wife or what is the role for certain positions at the business and even if they've come up with those a long time ago in the paperwork and agreements, they may have changed. So what are the roles just by virtue of title and what are the rules? So we were dealing with a lot of this kind of stuff at the very outset, among other things. Okay, Mark, we're, we're going to take a break right now. When we return, we're going to be talking about how those roles became reconciled during the course of this rather uh, lengthy uh, mediation. Uh, I'm Len Levy. We're on Masters of Dispute Resolution, uh, and my guest is Mark Baer. Most attorneys need professional liability coverage, but very few are professional liability experts. And there are so many options when it comes to legal malpractice insurance. How do you know how much coverage you need? What should your policy limits be? What if you've had a past claim? You shouldn't have to take time away from helping your clients to research professional liability coverage. And with lawyer-specific insurance brokerage on your side, you don't need to. Their professional liability experts shop California's leading insurance carriers to find your firm the right coverage at the best price. Lawyer-specific founders Al and Debbie Hernandez have over 50 years combined experience working with the highest-rated providers of lawyers' professional liability insurance. So trust the brokerage with access to over 40 carriers in California to find a cost-effective malpractice insurance solution for your firm. Go to LawyersPacific.com and click Request a Quote. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy, and I'm chatting uh, with Mark Baer uh, about things, business and things relational that leaked into uh the marriage. So, um, uh, Mark, why don't you describe what took place during the course of this rather lengthy mediation? Well, during the first time that we met, for example, it became clear that they had a lot of trust issues, serious trust issues with both uh, a breach of trust on both parts and issues as far as whether there was betrayal of trust. And I'm not talking about infidelity, um, you know, with with an affair or anything like that. Um, and many years ago, I had read a book, and the book broke down different elements of trust. And any of those elements 
if you understood that it broke them down into different elements, you could address the trust by addressing the particular elements. And the elements from the book were sincerity, uh, I mean what I say, say what I mean and act accordingly, reliability, that you can count on that person to do what they said they were going to do, competence, that they either know how to do what they're supposed to do or that they're going to acquire the skills and abilities to do that uh, or care. Um, and they had issues with not one or two of them, but each of the dynamics of um, of, of trust was uh, Im impacted. So we had to. So when I learned that at the very beginning, we had a lot of work to do um, it, with working with them, and I had to flush out how different things that they were doing were leading to these different problems in these different aspects of trust. Can you give some a, a, give an example of, of of the things they were doing? Well. Like, for example, um, the um, husband would n not like the wife's opinion on something either with regard to, for example, domestic help or um, business, and uh, he would make an executive decision and circumvent it and do the opposite, do what she didn't want. Um, because he felt that by acquiescing to her, she had the deal-breaking vote. And, and 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 so she would, for example, make a uh, a decision that someone should or should not receive a bonus or something, and <clears throat> something along those those lines. And and he would just just do the opposite, disregard what her feelings were. Right. And then there were issues that because of this kind of stuff and because of how they interacted, because of his reaction to things, he didn't feel as if she was providing him with information that he felt he needed to have because they had businesses together and other such things. And so there were communication problems result that were stemming from their personality differences and, and what led to this breakdown in trust. Okay, so so you uh, did you you primarily uh, uh, view this uh, primarily, at least in the, in the very beginning of, of the uh, mediation uh, as tr restoring trust as a starting point, right? Working on yeah, because if you couldn't if you couldn't um, restore trust, then what do they have? How do you stay married? other than in name only, um, if if you can't restore trust. So that was a big deal. And I also want to say that these were joint session mediations. There's no way that I could have accomplished what I accomplished if it wasn't. And the meeting that the wife had with those other people was with everybody in the room. It wasn't somebody going back and forth. You can't really get into this kind of stuff. And it's hard stuff. So at some of the sessions, the husband would get up and leave. And then we weren't sure if it would reconvene and he came back. Or sometimes the wife would get up and leave and we thought the mediation had terminated and then we'd find out that we were reconvening at a different date. So they really wanted to make this work, but it's hard and, and the emotions came out and 
we allowed them to come out and then they would, you know, they would leave when they had to leave and still they put in the effort. Now, the the idea of restoring trust and accomplishing a a, a, a restoration of trust uh, is, and I'm I'm hearing you uh, say it, it's it's an incremental kind of thing. Um, was there was there, however, any aha moment or aha realization uh, by one or both of them that may have um, may have turned the tide on? where they were to where they wanted to go. There were aha moments, quite a few, um, that occurred on both parts. One of them that occurred from the husband was a recognition. He was aware that he had an adversarial bias. That was an explicit or conscious bias. He acknowledged that the reason that he had that bias is because we watched political debates. They have debate teams. Our legal system is set up as adversarial. Those were some examples of why he said that he had an adversarial bias that our culture, and he was 80 years old, our culture during all his life led him to believe that that was the best way of dealing with conflicts and disputes. Um, he, he So he, this was conscious, but what he came to realize was that adversarial means either or, not yes and and how that impacts relationships, how that impacts conflicts, how that impacts problem solving and other such things. And once he came to realize that, he came to recognize that his adversarial bias was a problem. And, and so the, the one thing is to come to a realization. The other thing is to is to put the behavior that he now recognized uh, is appropriate or inappropriate uh, to change that behavior. Is that correct? Acknowledgement of a bias is one of the is the first step to to trying to keep it in check. And like I said, he was aware he had the bias. However, um, there's also the need to be motivated. And if you don't think the bias is unfair, you're not going to be motivated to try to change it. And when he came to the epiphany that the adversarial bias that he had wasn't good, um, he then became motivated to try and keep it in check, among other things. And uh, to the extent that he didn't realize he was going down that path, he became more receptive to his wife, for example, pointing it out or me pointing it out, you know, and so he wouldn't get react the same way because he understood. He he understood the, the, the purpose for the comment and and didn't have a have a reactive devaluation uh, of, of, of the comment. Is that essentially right? Right, because he became aware of the bias. And the problem is that, you know, I mean, if you have 80 years or even far less of, uh, of, of, a, of, of acting in a certain way, you're not suddenly just because you became aware that it's not good going to suddenly be able to change that. That's like a New Year's, New Year's resolution that you, that you can't seem to keep. So 
Um, it's it's hard. It's hard. And um, in preparation for this uh, uh, interview, I I called the clients to ask them from the horse's mouth where you know what their thoughts were uh, uh, about the work that I did with them. And the Mark, husband, we're we're, we're going to get into that right after this break. Um, we're going to be learning from uh, the, the, the horse's mouth uh, exactly uh, what took place from their perspective. So um, we're going to take a break now. Uh, I'm Len Levy. This is Masters of Dispute Resolution, and I'm having a very enjoyable chat with Mark Bayer. Masters of Dispute Resolution is sponsored by the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. NADN is the premier invitation-only association of civil mediators and arbitrators in the United States, with members in every state of the nation. Only experienced ADR professionals who are widely acceptable to local plaintiff and defense firms are invited to join the Academy's roster. The Academy's website, NADN.org is the most widely visited neutrals database in the world today. With over 40,000 law offices, insurance companies, and corporations visiting our free website annually. Firms can search for neutrals by many criteria, including location, case expertise, qualifications, language skills, and most NADN members also publish their available dates, calendars, online making NADN.org the go-to website for law firms wishing to schedule appointments online with their preferred mediators. For more information, please visit www.NADN.org today. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. Uh, I'm Len Levy. My guest is Mark Bayer. And when we broke, we were going to be hearing essentially from the horse's mouth, the client's perspective on um, what happened and uh, the client's perspective on um, the adversarial bias that uh, invaded their lives in many ways. So um, one of the things about communication that I've learned over the years that we discussed in our mediation was that the importance of not making assumptions. There are a lot of assumptions that people make in terms of what people mean when they say certain things or what body language means. And one of the things that I want to point out before I go any further is that there's a lot of information out there, research, that um, people misinterpret um, body language, tone of voice, um, body movements, uh, all of what would be considered demeanor evidence. Uh, uh, and there were a lot of issues with regard to when people wear masks over their heads, uh, over their face, over their mouths because of uh, because of COVID and not being able to see these things. That's how you misinterpret. And uh, you misinterpret what the facial expressions mean, among other things. And um, <clears throat> so I wanted to, and I found that a lot of conflicts in marriages occur because spouses who have been married misinterpret their own spouses, and yet you have judges and juries and other people who think, seem to think that they can interpret it from strangers. Um, anyway, um, I didn't want to make any assumptions as far as the information Len wanted to get for this program, so I called them. And 
Um, <clears throat> what the husband, they were, they're still together. They're much happier. The marriage is, is much better. And I, I caught them while they were uh, uh, driving together. And the husband said that um, I caused him to realize that the adversarial bias is either or. Um, and like I said, that excludes yes and. And it, it causes people to only listen to certain information and start formulating a response um, instead of listening to other information that might be equally or more important. Um, the wife then chimed in and said, more importantly, um, I, I provided them with the skills, tools, and approaches to be able to move forward. Because just recognizing the adversarial bias and recognizing it's a problem by itself isn't enough. And I want to say that it has been scientifically proven that biases and biases when unchecked cause people to constrict and distort the information they receive, understand, and consider. The more constricted and distorted the information heard, understood, and considered, the more impaired the thinking is going to be. Now, um, there are lots of biases. We're talking adversarial here, but there are lots. And um, they're not just civil rights categories, which is a big thing for me, that people are biasing people about biases, causing them to think that it's only related to civil rights categories. The um, So what the research shows is that in order to keep a bias in check, you have to first be aware of it. And second, you have to have the motivation. And the motivation is the motivation for fairness. And empathy is related to bias reduction or keeping it in check because empathy, people don't have a good understanding of that. Unless you're a sociopath, you have empathy. The question is whether the empathy in any given context is in favor of one direction or the other. We tend to have automatic natural empathy toward people who look, think, and act similar to us, which means it's skewed, which means our sense of fairness is skewed if that's the case. Um, and so the goal is to try to get the empathy somewhere in between, because the closer you are to having empathy toward both parties, or the other side having empathy toward the other, you're going to be able to come up with something that's more fair in the particular situation. Um, and so that's the motivation. Motivation is fairness. And um, then you have to be aware of the direction and magnitude of the bias. And you have to um, have the um, skills and abilities. You have to have the techniques to be able to then keep the bias in check. Those are the four factors. And acknowledgement is the first one. And I told you his adversarial bias was an explicit bias. Just because you're aware that you have a bias does not mean that you're going to keep it in check. Because like I said, there was no motivation if he felt that the reason for his bias was that it was a good bias. There are no beneficial biases, in my opinion. Yes, biases help people to act efficiently in their brain, but that doesn't mean that it helps with coming up with accurate information. And I said that left unchecked biases cause people to constrict and distort. Well, let, let me let me inter, in, in, interject something here. 
You've described both a business and a personal uh, dispute. One in which you, the personal, you act as acted in the role of mediator, and in in, in the other in, in the business, you acted as as coach. Um, the the lessons and takeaways from this, uh, it, it seems to me, may be even more powerful in terms of dealing with your having dealt with the personal end of it. Uh, because uh, you know one of the things that um, one of the things that 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 people may not realize about resolving conflict is that it's not you know when you, when something is you know borrow a phrase from the Godfather you know it, it, tell Michael is only business right uh, it it it's personal it 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 become it's all personal. Uh, and so the 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 bias that that is um, that you're you're utilizing, it may be something that has given you a reward in some way. Um, you know, a, a successful businessman who's always adversarial, who's made tons of money, uh, may think that no, that's that's the way I have to do it. And I, I got the impression that that this couple was um, fa- fairly successful financially. Yes, I, w- I would agree. And and you know there was also, in case you didn't realize, among mm-hmm. many other biases, they were biased against each other. They were married. Mm-hmm. They were in a business relationships together. They were biased against each other. And I want to be really clear that the reason a lawyer can't represent both sides in a divorce case is because of that conflict of interest, because there's going to be that innate bias. They were still married. They were trying to make their marriage work. They were biased against each other. They were constricting and distorting information that was being said by their spouse because they were biased against them. It, it, it des- describe that bias. Let, let, just to make it a little, little more focused. Um, what was that bias against well, each other? Well, you know, over time, if 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 people, well, they had trust issues. <laughs> they had trust issues with each other, among right. other things. Um, you know, they they uh, there. There's also been a praise to criticism ratio that's been found to be optimal and it's been found that over time and it doesn't just apply in marriages it applies in business relationships and just in life and it's five to four five praises to every criticism and it depends upon how you criticize and so there was a lot of stuff that had gone back that had gone down here a lot of water under the bridge and so there was a lot of bias that each had against each other and so information that was being said by one to the other wasn't being was being if it was being received it was being received in a in a distorted way and a lot of it was not being received um and and so i had to deal with that well help Mark, Mark, this has been a remarkable story. It really has been, and it it it, it really conveys the depth uh, of of disputes. And you know, very often as mediators, we we want to resolve the dispute, 
uh, you know, commercial mediators especially. Let's resolve the dispute. Very often, resolving the dispute is is different than resolving conflict between the parties or reducing a conflict between the parties. I wish we could go on, but but we've reached the end. So, um, Mark, uh, can you please uh, tell uh, tell our audience uh, how to best contact you uh, if they w- wish to utilize your services? Well, my email address is uh, Mark, M-A-R-K, at MarkBearESQ.com. So M-A-R-K at M-A-R-K-B-A-E-R-E-S-Q.com. And my uh, office number is 626-389-8929. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mark. I, I, I so appreciate every conversation we have, and 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 today was no exception. Um, and I hope we can do this again sometime. Uh, so uh, I, I want to thank you, Daryl Wayne, uh, our engineer and producer. Uh, I'm your host, Len Levy. This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io, powered by Infogen Labs, Inc. I hope you will continue to enjoy the stories uh, we bring you. In the meantime, stay well, keep listening, and remember, peace of mind is enhanced when conflicts are resolved. If you wish to contact Len Levy, you can reach him through his email at lslevy at adrservices.com, through Len's website, lenlevymediate.com, Telephone him at 818-903-5562 or contact his case manager at ADR Services, 213-683-1600.